0: Welcome back to another uh, Plague OD, 13, Unlucky for Some. Uh, Owen Owe sitting in his bright red uh, Liverpool shirt, obviously uh, still celebrating after uh, Liverpool's epic season.
1: I'll be celebrating for some time, possibly until the start of the new season.
0: A long wait, Owen, a long wait. So I think you you deserve your moment. Yes, it would
1: excruciatingly long wait, and I certainly hope it won't be thirty years again. But I'm, yes, I'm all prepared for the Man City game this evening.
0: Well, talking about thirty years wait, I mean, of course, we wanted to start today looking at the new government in the Republic and Neil Martin uh, becoming Taoiseach, and I think he's been a TD for thirty-one years or thing. So he's had a long wait himself to to get to the ultimate role. Looking at the the new government, uh, there's a detailed program for government that suggests that. It might actually be enough to keep it stable for a few years.
1: Yes, obviously there are going to be problems along the road when you've got a three-way coalition like that, and and possibly the weakest link in that coalition will be the Green Party, who already had quite a sort of vigorous debate about the why's and wherefores of it. Um, but I mean, they they have emphasised some of the issues, um, you know, housing, health and education that, that were prominent at the general election, the, the Irish general election that uh, Sinn Féin attacked them on. So obviously they're cognizant of the fact that those things are in are voters' minds and, and probably will shape the way that they're
0: thinking in years to come. I think there's two things that suggest it's going to be a, a st- more stable than might have been expected. First of all, that bo- you know, all three parties basically endorsed it more than three at least three quarters of their their memberships uh, basically endorsed the deal so there was large support from within the parties themselves uh, and the memberships to actually get this deal off the ground uh, and despite a lot being made of burying the civil war i think leo said that the, the politics of the civil war ended to all intents and purposes the past four years uh, with the confidence and supply arrangement uh, to Fine Gael by Miho Martin and Fianna Foyle. you you've pretty much had those two major parties working together, albeit slightly distanced. They've, they've really had the experience of working together, so it shouldn't be too much of a leap going forward.
1: Yes, and there was a kind of a collegiate attitude around some of their bigger issues as well, so they're not unaccustomed to, um, to finding commonalities in their in their programs.
0: One of the things though, we might see is, is a change in the emphasis. Partly that may be Micheal Martin's uh, initial uh, until December 2022 role in, in terms of being head of government and therefore in terms of UK-Ireland relations, if, you are know, probably much less uh, aggressive. Uh, we certainly had a very aggressive Coveney-Varadkar uh, axis uh, that seemed to be quite willing to give slight uh, to the UK at every available opportunity, whereas uh, Emil Martin seems to be more uh, temperate uh, in his approach to everything.
1: Yeah, well, we certainly hope that Martin will be less confrontational than Varadkar and Coveney tended to be, and he seems to have a more kind of pluralist viewpoint and also a way not of getting and people's heckles up to, to the same extent, certainly this side of the border. Brad and Coveney's approach was to meddle in Northern Ireland affairs, basically to sort of almost act as if they had joined authority over this part of the world. And I don't for one minute believe that that was some kind of deep-seated uh, desire to absorb Northern Ireland within the next uh, sort of 10 to 20 years. It was just the idea that they could exert authority without um, taking any Responsibility or paying the bill. Um, and I mean, you, you saw that in Brexit, where they, they, they were so energetic in uh, campaigning to get the, the, the border in the Irish Sea rather than uh, have checks at the, at the Irish land border. They were willing to interfere in Northern Ireland's justice system uh, and make uh, sort of give a running commentary on what was happening in various cases
0: in, in our courts. Yeah, a good point you made on CapEx was that uh, essentially if the southern government starts um, to look at the practicalities uh, within uh, north-south-east-west relations rather than trying to stretch itself into areas that it really isn't responsible for, things might improve.
1: Yes, it's often forgotten because the Good Friday Agreement is cited for all kinds of things that aren't contained within it. It's often forgotten that it did remove Articles 2 and 3, it did set you know, strict parameters um, for North-South politics, and that was precisely to prevent things that could be construed as a redentist from the Southern Irish government. And yet, under the previous administration, we've seen almost an attempt to push the boundaries all the time, whether it's in citizenship, whether it's the suggestion mm-hmm. that the uh, people north of the border should vote in, in presidential elections and uh all a whole series of issues where sovereignty is confused with uh, with citizenship okay. north of the border
0: yes and you, and you mentioned uh, also there the uh the brexit uh, situation of course uh, as of this week the opportunity for uh, any formal extension of negotiations has now passed by the new government will have to face up to a very different situation than they might have expected Uh, under May and the backstop because this is now a situation where effectively uh, the southern government is only one of 27, Uh, a no deal scenario, which of course it could veto any final deal if it didn't like, but in a no deal scenario, that would be catastrophic for the Irish economy when it's just trying to get out of COVID because it's one of its most significant markets uh, remains the UK in respect of agricultural and, and, and domestic goods. I noticed last week that the, the emphasis of the Irish government has moved to assuring transit uh, from uh, Dublin or, or from the southern ports through to the continent across the land bridge as they call it, which is basically through the UK, and I thought that was an interesting change in emphasis because it's certainly moved away from the protocol which raised its head when the British hadn't uh, put it forward any proposals. Uh, but disappeared when it was quite clear the British don't have any intention of doing uh, any more than is absolutely necessary in respect of uh, setting up what the EU, of course, loves, uh, which is form-filling.
1: Yeah, well, I hope that focus stays away from, um, you know, implementing the Northern Ireland Protocol and all that gory detail. And yes, uh, in terms of the, the change of tea shop, well, um, another... Figure like me, Martin, might have uh, it. Might have resulted in a more kind of cooperative approach between the UK and Ireland throughout the negotiations. It's too late. Things have uh, things have moved on, and um, the kind of leeway that the Republic of Ireland has now in negotiations is going to be very slight. So they're obviously moving on to think about. The practicalities of uh, of Brexit for their economy because they are going to be affected more than any other EU twenty seven country.
0: Well, we're going to have to wait and see um, at the end of the year exactly how that all uh, falls out. Um, I think one one of the issues we haven't really you again mentioned passing we haven't really talked about is course the absence of Sinn Féin from the southern government and don't really want to go into much they had the opportunity to bring a coalition together if they if they put it back in Uh, it would seem they didn't really make that much effort Uh, the the numbers they have on the what they would term the left just aren't enough to really get them over Mm -hmm. the line Uh, but of course the real reason they're not uh, in government and are in opposition is simply because none of the other parties really wanted to share government with them uh, in coalition. Uh, And I think we've seen uh, from uh, yesterday's uh, performance by Sinn Féin at the funeral to Mr. Story that they really just don't care about anything but themselves. I mean, that was a Sinn Féin organized event or a, a Republican organized event. They brought people into Belfast to attend that event. They wanted the adulation of people crowding either side of the of the cortege. Uh, I mean, that was a Sinn Féin two-finger show, show of strength, daring people to criticise and have a go at them. There was nothing with any regard to anybody else but their own sense of worth and purpose in that event.
1: The, the behaviour shows how right the southern parties, the, the, the three southern parties who entered into that deal are to exclude Sinn Féin because they're simply not a responsible democratic party that's fit for government. This is their milieu, this is um, how they conduct themselves, as you say, they, they only care about their own interest and they're quite prepared to break rules to breach trust. They don't really care about the repercussions because they don't care about the prosperity, the stability, or the success of uh, this jurisdiction, and neither do they care about uh, those things in, in Southern Ireland because they want to engineer things um, to their own benefit.
0: God, Neil Martin has his work cut out because, of course, Fianna Foyle took the key ministries that focus on the on the issues that were so prominent in the in the Southern election, particularly housing and health. Um, so I'm sure Sinn Féin will be delighted that they can have a go at, at Fianna Foyle and those two big ministries. Uh, but if we if we go back to the coalition, obviously, you know, the past uh, 24 hours, uh, it's turned into a bit of a, a uh, I don't want to go as far as saying crisis, uh, but certainly uh, a quandary at the centre of government in Northern Ireland now, because you've got a party that quite clearly is going to make every endeavour uh, to simply, stare down the others um, and say, we can do what we like. And it's our judgment as to what is right and wrong. And really the the great difficulty is there isn't a great deal the other four parties can do about that. And it really diminishes the idea of coalition or or, uh, government or or a collective government, because if one party is constantly able to say, we'll do what we want uh, and there is no sanction available, then that is going to diminish the ability of the other parties to take any particular line. Uh, And we've seen it on on pensions, where all four parties uh, want that pensions for uh, victims to go forward. Sinn Féin is stopping it. Uh, It's constantly put up as a Sinn Féin DUP problem, but it really is increasingly uh, the case that it's a a four parties v Sinn Féin problem in, in Stormont. It's not
1: a coalition in any meaningful sense, sense no, of the word, of course, and it, it's not, um, we know that it's a mandatory coalition rather than a voluntary co- coalition, but they don't come around um, a, a kind of any kind of coherent program for government. It's always so vague that it's meaningless. And I, I don't I, in, in this case, did do we, did, did we actually uh, get
0: one in the end? No, uh, we didn't get a program. For, no? we, we finally got that budget in May, but uh, there was no program of government attached.
1: So so many things have happened that that the uh, detail was just escaping me for a moment. But even if they had agreed some form of program for government, it would have been meaningless because Sinn Féin, We know how Sinn Fein work. They'll uh, reserve the right to do their own thing at all times, despite the fact that the other four parties um, are prepared to to work through their differences. Yeah, they'll reserve the right to collapse the institutions, and no other party will do that. So. We we know this. We knew it before uh, we got into this situation. New decade, new approach.
0: And I, I think we maybe if we, if we seg this into one of our other things that we, we we've mentioned quite often, and, and it's come to the again come to attention this past week. Although because of other issues, it, it's perhaps uh, taken a back seat. But there were two stories this week. One on the charities commission, uh, which has suddenly been found not to have actually. Properly authorised charities up to 2019, which I think is about 6,000 apparently, but also a, a story about uh, Landweb, which is a a project to um, digitise uh, land records um, and then charge for people to access those those records, uh, which ended up being very much criticised, well quite quite stridently criticised. Uh, by the uh, auto office in terms of saying that it was fe- effectively turned into a stealth tax, that it'd been poorly procured, that the uh, whole system uh, was was uh, simply wrongly uh, put together. Uh, and it well,
1: should- I- actually, funnily, you should say that, David, because I have, I have some firsthand experience of this, because uh, when we bought our home a number of years ago, we bought a, a home that had been built Two years previously, but our conveyance was delayed for months and months and months simply because the digital mapping had not taken place. Yeah. So the, obviously the system wasn't working, and you know that—that's aside from the charges.
0: Yeah, and and you paid for it for that uh, lack of yes, service as well quite paid heavily, for that I suspect. Your
1: service and paid heavily for it. By yeah.
0: Again, and and it comes off the back of RHI. You. What this points to is just how poor our public sector is, that, that there's a litany of poor management. There's a There are processes that quite clearly aren't fit for purpose and, and are being managed in such a way that they are not uh, delivering the service that was originally specified, whether it's by procurement, whether it's by delivery and performance, or, or whether it's by uh, by any other uh, measure, if, if our politicians, if, if that central coalition is is unstable, how on earth are we going to to see the level of reform that's probably required in our public services? This is costing us money. We complain about there isn't enough money for essential services, and yet millions and millions, you know, the the, the number of contracts the Audit Office has said uh, are are you know, overspent, uh, spent twice the budgets, whatever, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on and nothing ever seems to change. We talk a lot about health-needing reform. We know what reforms are required and yet, you know, they've just put together the the, the heads of the trusts and all these people who are largely responsible for the, the, the current um, state of the health service, which might have got us through COVID, but it wasn't in the best of health itself before... Well, even
1: a competent administration would struggle with uh, public service issues and with public service issues as deep rooted as we have in Northern Ireland. Uh, the only action that we can um, expect our uh, executive to take is that they'll, they'll probably, you know, commission more reports and and get the people. Many, many, much of the time, um, you know, reports from people who are within the public service who who are whose uh, maladministration is is the problem in the first place? So there's absolutely no chance of getting that radically overhauled in the years to come.
0: But but um, we just we've just had we just had a, a you know the the spending round where 250 million of unspent funds were redistributed. That's 250 million unspent from a budget that was only set in May. So you know what we can see there is that somebody's not very good at numbers. Within and that's across probably all departments, you know they're they're budgeting to to meet a level of spending rather than budgeting against what is needed to 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 deliver services and I, you know, every aspect of government just seems to be so slapdash. Is that would that be a fair?
1: Yeah, these underspends have or have been a repeated problem um, over the years. I mean, you, you might say that perhaps the scale of this one could be attributed to COVID. Maybe things haven't been happening that otherwise would. We'll we'll have to watch this space and see what we're yeah. now monitoring round reveals. But clearly, from what's been happening over a period of years, um, the system isn't efficient. They're not uh, budgeting. To what they need, they're budgeting to what they can get, and it all comes back to, I suppose, the fill your boots type of mentality that we have in this country, where the priority is to try and draw down as as much funds as you can from Westminster, and then spread it across whatever your pet projects are.
0: Yeah, we won't. We won't even go into the fact that the MLAs have taken back control of expenses, which is just um, yeah, far sure. unbelievable that they. They haven't learned anything, you know. That's just it'll be a it'll be a journalist dream if any journalist can keep a track of what's been spent in there. You know. The, yeah, I'm
1: sure Sam McBride is filling up notebooks. <laughs> uh,
0: we're um, entering into the summer. Um, schools, I guess, are shut. Not that they were open exactly. <laughs> and Westminster seems to be going about itself without any real sense of direction. And Stormont seems to be uh, heading in a direction that isn't necessarily going to be good. Uh, I think there's going to be quite a bit to chat about over the coming months. Uh, I look forward to catching up again.
1: Speak to you soon.